What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. On today's show, I've got another treat for you. Um, we went back and we looked at the Chicago event, and I wanted to put out a second presentation. Um, Andy McFarland gave an amazing uh, talk there, uh, gave an update on what he's been doing, his business, his life, all this stuff, and I wanted to uh, put it out here and show you guys what's going on with him, what he thinks of the market, and what he's doing about it. So he's got a tactic and strategy in this podcast that will change everything for you. If you guys learn how to do it, um, you go through it, and you master it in your business. We're going to be talking about this more at Flip Hacking Live, so make sure that you get your ticket for that. And we're, he's also, we also have an amazing event planned called the Seven Figure Accelerator. We've done this the past two years. Um, what we do is before Flip Hacking Live, we get a bunch of uh, the speakers on, we do it like a half day session and we're doing two of these. So the link to that accelerator is in the description here in the podcast, or you can go to any of our social media channels and check it out. The seven figure flipping house, living and wholesaling Facebook group, our seven figure flipping uh, Facebook page, uh, Instagram page, all that stuff. It will have it. Um, I would love to see you there. The seven figure uh, accelerator is going to be awesome this year. We have uh, the strategy that Andy talks about is going to be something that we're going to train to in detail uh, at this event. So Basically, like mini coaching sessions and uh, like a mini flip hacking live. So it's totally free, 100% free. All you have to do is click the link in the description and opt in. If you're on our email list, you'll probably be getting emails about it as well. So love to see you there. And this is another like closed door session that we did during our seven figure altitude group. It was amazing. A Chicago presentation that Andy gave. And like always, he did not disappoint. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. First of all, I want to lead with this. I, I always wonder, like, how am I going to start these presentations? What is it I need to lead with? And this, if you get nothing else from this presentation, maybe you can get this. Um, gratitude. Like, if we lead with gratitude in everything in our life, and everything, if we're grateful for all things in our life, our lives will be better, especially this market, right? So I want to lead with a little bit of gratitude here. I remember, I've been in this group since the very beginning. I remember what it was like seven and a half years ago, and it was nothing like it is today. So I'm going to talk about like gratitude for me right now is I have got so many friends in this group and you'll see some pictures of that in a second. And what we're doing today, like in the out, can you believe that Bill got this room named for our group? <laughs> like how amazing is that? Like he's got a lot of money to do that. Um, but like Vanessa and Bethany and Sarah and all of the crew back there and Andre, what he's doing with all of this like video production stuff and the video you guys saw earlier, like I am, I sit back here in awesome times and I'm just amazed at how amazing this group is. And, and it's, it's incredible. So I'm so grateful for that. And I'm also so grateful for like many of you guys. And you guys all know who you are. Like I've had so many great conversations with many of you guys. And you guys have impacted me so much in my life. So I am grateful for all of you guys and, and all of those memories and stuff we've created together. And again, if you take nothing else from this, be grateful for everything that you have. And especially for this market. Like it's going to be fine. And we're going to go over that. Um, update. So I'm not on Facebook much. You guys might notice that I, like, I don't post things on Facebook. There's a variety of reasons I don't do that. But I, if you guys are okay with this, I'm going to get a little bit personal. Because sometimes they ask me, hey, what have you been up to for the last three months? Is it okay if I get a little bit personal and show you guys what I've been up to? Also, as it relates to this group, I'm going to try to tie it into how this group has blessed my life and continues to bless my life. So here's my Facebook update. Shh, just not tell anybody else this stuff. 
Uh, so this is us in Mexico. I brought my family to Mexico. So one thing that's amazing about this group is it's super family friendly. I've been a part of groups before that are not family friendly, right? Uh, I feel comfortable bringing my wife and kids and having them interact with all of you guys, playing games, hanging out, doing stuff. We did that in Mexico. It was way cool. So this is us in Mexico uh, doing that and eating some delicious mangoes, which is awesome. And this is one of the things I've been doing because of the group since Mexico. Do you guys remember Mexico? Many of you guys probably don't remember this, but they're like, hey, what about your accountability? What are you going to do? And I'm like, ah, I should do like a diet and exercise program, but I was kind of noncommittal to it. Do you guys remember that? Anybody remember this? Most of you guys probably remember, because I haven't seen like a doctor in 15 years, which is probably not healthy. Um, I don't like getting my blood drawn. Like, that's just not something I like to do. Like, it's one of my biggest fears. So I'm like, I don't want to do blood work. But uh, I talked to a guy... um, you know Brady Kellum? You guys know Brady Kellum? He's in the runway group. So his brother is a functional doctor, functional health doctor. And my wife's been going through some health issue stuff that people can't really figure out. And she, when, I heard, when she heard functional health, she freaked out. She's like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. So in Mexico, we were able to meet with this awesome functional health doctor who's a brother of somebody here in this group. Again, the power of this group. And uh, through that... Um, he convinced me that he's like, well, you can start an exercise program. He said, you might want to figure out where you're at baseline, how you're doing with your health-wise, right? Um, so we did all these different samples of stuff before I got started, and then he's got me on, like, pretty strict diet. So this is just an example of one of the things I've been eating for breakfast. Apparently, avocados is cool for, like, everybody's diet. So I'm eating a ton of avocados and stuff now. But, but I'm in the middle of that. And, again, that's the power of this group uh, being pushed, right, pushing me to do some of the things that, that I need to do. Uh, can't say it's been totally fun, but kind of cool. Um, it's cool to be able to push yourself to do something, right? So uh, that's what I've been doing. So if you guys have noticed, I haven't been eating meals with everybody here. I had all my meals shipped here so I can go and eat the stuff that I can eat because I'm in kind of like an extreme cleanse right now. Um, this has been cool, hanging out with my family. Um, one of the cool things about this group too, guys, all the swag, I love the swag. Many of you guys are wearing the shirts. Like, look at my kids. I'm wearing a shirt. My son's wearing a shirt there. Um, we love it. And it's also built-in souvenirs. So I get all of the shirts and stuff for my wife and kids. So I go back. I don't have to buy anything from Chicago. What I bring them is that shirt that you guys are wearing, right? And let me go back to the gratitude. This group was not like this seven years ago. Mike, get the amen. Like, you couldn't get a snack, much less a swag shirt that fits really good, right? Um, I love hanging out, playing games with my kids. Monopoly's been one of my favorite ones recently. Um, yeah, we can take the next one. Um, some of you guys might not know this about me. You can go to the next slide. You might know about me, but like... There's nothing I would rather do than go sit in some heavy equipment for a day and, like, move some dirt around, right? So this is what I did. So, like, what the heck does Andy do, like, all the time? Like, this is what I did. My friend's building a cabin, and for, like, eight hours one day, I went and helped him move a bunch of dirt. So that was, like, my happy place. That was so cool. You go to the next slide. And that's, that's what that excavator looked like. That was, like, the funnest thing. Anybody else? Any guys in the room can relate to me here? Thank you very much, right? Life is good. That's all I want to do. Okay, you can go next slide. Uh, I've been camping, so I took a group, uh, a youth group from our, from our neighborhood and church, took them up to uh, Jackson Hole, Teton National Park. We went hiking and camping and stuff. You can go to the next slide. This is all of us there. That was super cool, so that's something I did for like four days um, since we've been gone to Mexico. This is really cool. Power of this group, right? You guys know Spencer Beatty? Spencer's back there. This is what my, my kids affectionately call him Uncle Spencer because he is, uh, this is what he does. So this is my family, kind of extended family too, up at Bear Lake, and Spencer provides this amazing day for us. You can click next slide. Uh, well, this is me and my son playing barefoot golf in Bear Lake. Notice the swag shirt. And that's, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, but this is what we did for Bill's birthday. Bill, June 29th, this is what we did to celebrate your birthday, buddy. So this is Uncle Spence and my youngest son. What's that? I got amazing video from it, too. Yeah, we, we, we sent him a little video that day. It was cool. Um, but this is what, um, and again, power of this group, like friendship, Uncle Spence back there, my, my family loves him. He helps us live the life that we deserve, as he says. But he provided this amazing day for us on this private beach that he owns in, uh, on, on Bear Lake. And just these, these ATVs, and he brought out his, um, 
what is that called? Uh, the camp, the camp trailer, like all this stuff. He provides amazing opportunity. My um, my family from Georgia was like freaking out. They're like, this is crazy, right? Like, like they were they'd never experienced anything like that. For them, that was the rise event, right? They'd never had anything like that before. Again, power of this group and the relationships in this group. So super grateful for that. Uh, this is something that's going on in my life right now. We got a bunch of chickens. They lived in our house for a while until they've gone outside. Next. So I'm not Bill. I don't have like how many acres you got back there? You one-upper. So I've got three acres behind my house, um, and this is what I do. You can see, you can see that my bobcat over there, uh, and this is like one of the chicken coops. We've got the other chicken coop. So this is what we do. We go in the backyard and do the chickens, and I, I mow the grass and just uh, have a good time. Um, as my wife noticed, what's she wearing? Swag. The swag, right? Some power of the group. Uh, that's a chicken. She wanted to have the dust bath, so she built that thing, little thing for him. Um, was able to go to Washington, D.C. Uh, I hadn't, I'd been as a kid, but I'd never really, I'd never uh, been as an adult. Uh, Washington, D.C. is really cool. I was to go there with my wife and my, and my dad. So my mom passed away in 2019. Some of you guys know that. And she was young. Um, but my mom and dad were married. Oh, shoot. Here's where the tears are going to come. Um, I thought I was going to do this presentation without those. And I'm still going to say this wrong. So my, my mom and dad were married uh, 47 years ago on June 21st in Washington, D.C. My dad was in the military. So he was stationed, I think, in Georgia at the time. But they drove up. It was the, the Washington, D.C. Temple. And you'll see a picture here in a second of that. Um, 47 years ago on June 21st. So I planned this trip to go with my dad to Washington, D.C. You can go next slide. And this is us, me and my dad, 47 years to the day on his anniversary. Um, super cool. My dad, my dad doesn't get emotional. Um, but that day, he was pretty emotional. Yeah, thank you. So that was way cool to be able to do that with him. You can go next slide. Um, hanging out, going around, seeing all the things that we see in D.C. But this was cool, too. Right here, again, power of the group. I, I was thinking to myself, who lives around here? And Adam Whitney lives close to that. He's in the, run, he's in the runway group. And uh, he's in the military. And I thought, how cool will this be? And I'm like, oh, this is just going to be a 20-minute drive. In D.C. traffic, nothing's a 20-minute drive. So he was like... He was like an hour and a half away, and he was cool about it. He's like, oh, it's no big deal. But he came to dinner one night uh, with me, my dad, and my wife. And he was active duty military, and my dad was active duty for 22 years. So they were able to talk. And my dad like, had the time of his life talking to this guy who's living in today's army. They're talking about, uh, I don't even know the terms that they're talking about, but they're talking about going to battlefields and how they go and do those. What do they call The leadership thing where they go to battlefields and read. What's that called? War games, it's something like that. Or they'll go, and so they're talking about that. And my dad was just like, it was the coolest thing ever for him. I was sitting there thinking like, wow, I know this guy because of this group, right? And we talked a little bit of real estate, of course, but like, this was way cool. So hopefully you guys are seeing the theme here in my life. Now you're getting the update for the last three months, but like the power of this group to me. Um, and then this, this is what we did two days ago. Joseph was up here talking about it. And, you know, I was like, I didn't get a lot of information about that before, and I know it was kind of smaller group that we could have there. And I was like, ah, should I go do this? Every single time I go and do something like this, I'm grateful to do it. Like, you don't know how much you're going to get impacted. You think we're going to go bless somebody's life. And certainly we bless these, this, these people's life, uh, Scott and Jesse. But it was a super blessing to my life, too. You can go next slide. Like, hanging out, doing this. I mean, Tyler was, we, me and Tyler were helping frame up this room. Uh, it was hot. It was sweaty. And it was awesome. Because of this. At the end of the day, these guys, this is uh, Tyler talking. We're all in the front steps just talking about breaking down the day. And that's uh, to the, so there's Tyler and there's Scott and there's Jesse. And uh, 
You know, Scott and Jesse were explaining all those things that Joseph described to you guys, the impact they're having at their ministry. And all day long, they had people coming up that were like kind of from their church and the ministry, and they're like, oh, a lot of people say they're going to come. And most, people just don't. They don't come. And not only do we come, like we were on it. I mean, there was like way ambitious projects. I remember we're walking through the first day, and he's like, what do we want to do? We're like, okay, let's move this wall. Let's take that out. Let's push this. Let's put a closet there. And oh, by the way, we're going to build this reception desk area. And oh, by the way, we're going to do this hired parking thing. And I was just thinking to myself, you just described about a week's worth of work that's supposed to happen from these group of volunteers. Some of them have 10 thumbs. You can't see my, all my thumbs. I'm like, you want us to do this what? Like right now? Uh, but we went there. Um, we didn't get it all finished, but we had a huge, made a huge dent in that. It was way cool. And to hear their stories in the front talking about all the stuff that Joseph shared with you guys was way cool. And to watch them, this picture right here is right after they said, um, and they were just grateful to have us there. This picture was right after Tyler said, hey, you know, we're going to come and share this with you guys. And he said, also, we want to give you guys $25,000 to spend however you want. That, the looks on their faces, maybe you can't tell from there, but they were just in utter shock. What those guys can do with $25,000, they know how to stretch a penny. I mean, um, it's a worthwhile cause. So I was grateful to be able to be there and have them have that impact on me. And again, some of the power of this group in my life. All right. There's your Facebook, there's your Facebook update on life. Um, the greatest opportunity this recession will provide us. I'm, I'm open and willing for anybody else to come up here and give us a presentation. We're gonna, what do you guys think this is going to be? But as I've had a chance to think about this the last week or so, I've thought of three things. Uh, and the third one being the greatest opportunity I feel like this recession specifically is going to provide us. But um, here we go. Some of you guys have heard before. Number one, I want to say change is normal. And we talked about this last night a little bit. And it feels like uh, everybody coming into this, and maybe it's from the news media, but we're all kind of a little bit worried about, oh, this market, what's this going to be like? And having seen this market uh, for, I mean, since 2003, admit it, I wasn't doing a lot back then. I've kind of grown up through this market. But like, there's been so many changes so many times since then in the last 19, 20 years. And it's totally normal. So just recognize that like, there's not good or bad. Go back to the first slide of gratitude, right? Just be grateful for all things you're giving because it's like, this is totally normal. So none of us should be freaking out at all. And I, I know we're not, but I just want to reemphasize that. If you get nothing else, be grateful and change is totally normal. This is totally normal. But I want to tell you guys how it's affecting my business a little bit. And some of this we've already talked about in the last couple of days. But um, wholesale buyers are cautious. We all know that. We talked last night about the rehabbers and flippers and you know, what they're all thinking. It's, it's normal. Everybody's cautious. Okay? Retail listings are increasing. We all understand that. We see that. What do we do? Um, listed leads. So 25% of our leads, I think it was in the last month or so, I had uh, Chad Lindell pulled up some stats for me. So 25% of the leads uh, were listings that were calling because they wanted to, like, they're listed right now, but they're calling because they're obviously not selling, right? So that was 25% of our leads. Uh, we're staging everything. So we didn't always do that. I don't know if you guys are always doing that, but that's one of the ways we've just made adjustments on the fly. We just starting to stage everything we're doing from a retail listing standpoint. Uh, of, of course, pricing well. That makes sense. I think a lot of these price drops that are coming is because sellers had that idea that they're going to stretch for the market because they're thinking, oh, the market's 500 grand. I'm going to get 520, so I'm going to list it for 520. That was the mentality for the last you know, year, and it's been paying off for everybody, so we're having to shift their mentality. So a lot of these price drops, I feel, are kind of that fluff coming out of the market a little bit, coming down to reality. So we try to go on, we try to price the market well. And again, this is not rocket science, but you guys are probably all doing the same thing. You go on, you've got a remodeled product, you're looking at who you're better than, and you're listing it at the same price. So people are going to look at the two listings and be like, these guys just look better than those guys. So we're just trying to price it well from the very beginning, and hope to get two offers instead of ten, right? It's affecting my business just like it's affecting all of yours. And again, it's normal and it's okay. And my mentality too is the inventory we have that we're flipping, 
It's just reset the inventory. We might not make as much as we thought we were going to make, but that's fine because we're going to build buy a little lower. We're just going to reset inventory. We're not going to be damaged that much. And you guys are probably thinking about the same thing, right? And then this last part we've been talking about, we talked about yesterday too, my, the sellers don't quite see it yet. They just don't quite understand yet because we're getting that information like Terry showed real time. We're in the race. The sellers are not, they're not seeing that. They're watching the news and things, but they're not in the race talking to wholesale buyers and like getting that listing feedback immediately. So they don't see it yet. And that's okay. Okay. All of this is totally, totally normal. You go next slide. So that's providing, this is the second point I want to make, just surviving the gap. Right. And what do I mean by that gap? I just mean it's like, while this market's pivoting and shifting, like before the sellers get it, and while there's interim period where all the wholesale buyers are a little bit timid and they're like, where do I make my value and how do I back it off to? Like, it's fine, just recognize there's gonna be this period of uncertainty, there's gonna be this gap. We just need to survive that gap. Not a big deal. And we will survive the gap, and naturally you guys are going through this and, and you'll survive it. But go back to the first thing, it's like, it's totally normal, right? Like, don't have to freak out about what am I gonna do? It's like. You're just gonna wait and you're gonna, the next thing's gonna manifest itself. We had like this little mini gap. Remember March 2022 or 2020, COVID. Remember that? There was that COVID pricing, we were talking about all those things. There was, there was a mini gap there too, and it was just, everybody was just like pausing. The earth was moving and everybody was just standing still, like, what am I gonna do? Where are prices gonna go? Interest rates, COVID. They were talking about those things, like, it's the exact same thing. And then once everybody kind of figured out on the other side of the gap, then the market just went raging on, which nobody really saw that. So I don't know what exactly is gonna happen on the other side of this gap. But I know that we're all going to be on the other side of it. We're going to live through it, and it's going to be fine. Change is normal, okay? Uh, these opportunities during these gaps and these pivots, these shifts, when the, when the cheese moves a little bit, it gives us an opportunity to sit back and look at things, recalibrate our goals maybe, because things have shifted a little bit. That's okay. Refocus. This gives us an opportunity to focus on what we want to focus on. Um, one of the key things with this is decreased competition. You guys ever heard of Sunday? They were kind of like one of those eye buyers. They kind of have this model of like, listing but like wholesale kind of a thing they pulled out of our market so i mean we got that email and we all kind of sent it to everybody on the team was like sending we're at now there's there's the first one out another one bites the dust right and now they're open door i don't know if they're going to go out but my you know once earnings and stuff come maybe maybe they're not going to be around either all those eye buyers that came in and thought they could do our job better than us right they thought they could oh well we can come in here with a bunch of money and just low level employees and figure out and do exactly what you guys are doing and put you out of business uh story about that open door you guys have open door in your market, some of you guys? So we used to, uh, it was like a year ago, year and a half ago, I don't remember exactly when it was, but we found out we could sell to them. So we started selling into them, and it was like stupid money. Like these guys were paying way too much, right? So we were selling into them, and it was like stupid money. And then they figured out, they're like, wait a second, uh, investors are selling to us, and they're making these huge margins. So they didn't change their buy box, which is totally what they should have done. Right? It makes sense, right? They didn't change their buy box. They just changed, they made a policy overnight change, like we're not selling to investors. And maybe they just happened in Utah. But they're like, we're not gonna sell to investors anymore. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, wait, just still buy from us. We provide a place for you, just change your buy box. But the reason they were buying so much was because they were paying way too much for properties, right? And then it came out that Zillow was like losing a bunch of money, right? So it's not gonna be long. Oh, and, and the cool thing about with all that with Open Door is. They, uh, one of the open door reps who was talking to a guy were like, hey, just change your buy box. You know, we'll get stuff where you, where you need it to be. And he's just like, our company, a company's like us, and our company's going to put you guys out of business, basically. is what he told us. And we were all like, great. Put us out of business, right? It gave us a little bit of a, all right, we'd like to see you do it. But Sunday pulled out, and we'll see how the other ones fare. But I'm not really worried about them, never have been worried about them. But that's one of the things we'll see. And there will be other investors, too, that will pull out of our markets, right? You guys have seen, like, there's been so much competition in the last couple of years. Like, some of that will die down which is gonna be awesome because it's gonna provide opportunity for us. 
another difference from this time from, from before is this isn't 2008. Like, there's a lot more well-qualified buyers, and Al can probably talk about this. I'm not in the mortgage industry. This isn't what I'm living through, but like, what are you seeing there? Is, this, is, that, is that fair? Are people more qualified this time? Is it harder to get loans? Yeah, so 2008, that was built on a lot of just fluff. I mean, I remember after 2008, we were working some short sales, and I remember doing, uh, working a short sale from one person who had 10, uh, he was doing construction loans, like he was, they're, they're building these, you know, there's like a spec property, but he had 10 owner-occupied like loans out there for construction stuff, new construction. Now, obviously, something was wrong there, and I think he was just doing some like stated income thing. Ten owner occupieds, so we're short selling ten owner occupied like loans that he's doing there. A little different this time around, right? That stuff's not happening, and then inventory is different, obviously, this time too. So again, change is normal, and this time is different fundamentally than 2008. So again, not scared. This isn't going to be as, and even last time, 2008 was like change. It's fine, normal, but that was a that was a different kind of a normal, right? Like we all we can live through that, but this one's not, that, this isn't going to be that. So again, we shouldn't be worried about this. Next slide. Um, I think this was a Tony Robbins slide. Can anybody confirm that? Is this Tony Robbins? You guys know if this is his thing? You guys seen this before? Yeah. I just love this. So good times create weak people, unfortunately. And this is just how it happens, right? Like we've been pretty, you can be lazy. Last year, I had my best year ever in real estate from the, the wholesale and the retail flipping um, business. Best year ever. You guys that have known me for a long time, it's almost laughable. I don't do anything different. You guys are like, oh, when are you going to go in a new market? When are you going to do this stuff and that? I haven't done anything different in like years. Mike, how long has it been? How many years have you been, have been you know me, that, are like, that I've been doing? What do you do? Seven years at least. And even before that, before we started the seven-figure flipping, Justin and I, it was like, I was doing those pretty much the same thing. Like, I'm not growing, expanding. I'm doing the same thing. Sending mailers, doing online stuff. Um, Utah, New Mexico, and Indiana. Well, why don't you grow? Why don't you expand? I'm like, eh, kind of doing the same thing. So why is it last year I had my best year ever? It was just the market. I didn't do anything different. The market just came up underneath me. You buy stuff, and then it's like, magically, you're getting a lot more money for it. I recognized it wasn't because I was smart. It was just because the market was good, right? And now we might see a little bit of the other side of this side, but it's, but it's totally fine. So good times create weak people. So it probably causes us to be a little bit weak, right? That's okay. Weak people create bad times. Bad times create strong people, and strong people create great times. And I, I think that is totally true, and it's a cycle we've seen for a long time, will continue to be. So let's just make sure that as these times, if they, and they're not gonna get bad, but as it changes, just, it's just gonna cause us to be strong. Again, first slide, gratitude, right? Let's be grateful for this opportunity, because it gives us the opportunity to change and grow and push and do something different. All right, my team knows I'm a broken record on this, especially with the sales team. So we'll get on with them once a month. So you guys know my sales uh, manager, uh, uh, Chad Lundell, he's one of our, he's our sales guy and he's also the sales manager because he leads the sales team. I think it's important to have somebody that's leading your sales team that's actually in the trenches with them. And when I get on that call once a month and they're talking about, it's always something. You guys know what your sales team's saying, right? Oh, the leads are not good. Oh, it's like all these things they're, they're talking about. And I say, control what you can control. I'm like, and it's, it's back to the basic stuff. It's like, I think I might have that in the next slide. Here we go. All right, go back to it for a second. Back to the other side. Okay. It's, it's always back to that. I'm like, you can't control any of those things. You can't control the competition. But what can you control is, did you get to the lead quickly when it came in? Did you call them and did you build rapport with them? Did you put in good notes? Did you go see them? Did you spend the time it took with them? Did you follow up? Like, I'm like, tell them, if you do that consistently every time in whatever market, you're going to buy deals. 
control what you can control. Don't complain about the other stuff. Control what you can control, and stuff always works out. It's just this numbers game. Sometimes they have great months, sometimes they don't have great months. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Just control what you can control, right? And that's the same for all of us. Like, there's no use talking about any of that stuff that's outside of our control. Just focus on what you can control, and, and you'll be totally fine. And part of what you can control is your gratitude, too. We keep coming back to that. Okay. Um, I had a conversation with a guy. So blocking and tackling, right? Um, that's part of controlling and control. It's like, it's all basics. The stuff we're doing, not much has really changed. But I had a conversation with a guy in a plane. Uh, in fact, coming here, you can kind of tell when the guy wants to talk to you, the guy doesn't want to talk to you. And I'm, I'm generally pretty neutral. You think I'm going to be a chatty guy. Pretty neutral. If I'm getting the signals they want to talk, I'll talk. And he, was, uh, he owned a hedge fund. I think that's what, no, private equity. Private equity is what he did. So I, he talked to me a little bit about private equity, and you know, he's kind of like the higher level investor or whatever. Um, and I was asking him, and he's like 50, I think, 50-ish. And I you know, let him talk about all this if we want to talk about it. He was a really nice guy. And I said, hey, what advice do you have for a younger version of yourself, a business owner? And he says, he thought about it for a minute, and he says, you know what? I worked for a private equity company. Um, and basically, I worked by raising a bunch of money and then deploying that money for investors, right? And he said, I worked for a private equity company. Uh, and then ultimately, I started my own. He said, when I started my own, then you have to go out and solicit investors. They're raising money, like big swaths of money, right? So like 20, 30 million dollar checks from these institutions that are like have funds, endowments, and things. So he's like, you know, we had to go out and raise money. And, he's, and he had he mentioned a couple of universities. I forget, like North Carolina something or or some of Michigan. He mentioned these universities that invested like 20 and 30 million dollars, small pieces of what they're investing, right? But they gave it to him. And but before they do that, they have they go through this vetting process. Like there's some I, I don't remember the whole process, but he has to go through something and he has to get like recommendations. You know, like your. your they have to, he submits some form and they're calling his references, right? So he does the thing, submits, now when you're, when you're submitting the references for a job or anything, who are you submitting? Like, totally, the people you want him to talk to, right? And what he thought, what he shared with me was, when he did this, when he first went out on his own, he submitted that to them, he has his list of people and they're calling those and certainly they do that. He says, I was shocked at how deep they dug. Those people that I gave them, he says, they probably took those as a starting point and they went off and branched off. He says, I don't know if they were LinkedIn and doing what. He said, I don't know. He said, they found people. He says, they found a guy that worked for me 20 years ago that I fired. And they talked to that guy and said, hey, tell me, tell me what you know about you know, whatever his name was. They went through and found multiple people like that. Now, how many of you in your life that makes you a little bit nervous? That they dug through and said, Nate, I'm going to find people in your life that you had a connection with. And I'm going to talk to them and say, how did you treat them? How were you? In all walks of life, right? So... His advice to me was, how are you treating people? Be careful how you're treating people. And I think that will translate into all different markets. How are we treating people in all walks of life, right? Those people that you let go from your company, where they still say, you know, I mean, at the time it might be emotional, but they still say, you know what? They, they treated me fairly and have it, have it be something where it's, they could speak highly of you from that. I thought that was very interesting advice, and I think we can all do that. And not just for business, I think for personal too, that's... That's equally important, right? And that's where our character comes from. So how are we treating people? Um, that's blocking and tackling, right? I think that's blocking and tackling. Uh, two, marketing is the oxygen in your business. Like, I still feel like with, through all of this, we haven't talked about backing off our marketing. We're not backing off our marketing. We're shifting the way we're making our marketing hit. We're trying to make our dollars hit a little bit different, but we're not backing off of our marketing. So that's blocking and tackling for us in our business. We're not backing off our marketing. Um, this, control what you can control, answer and go on appointments and listen to people. Now, some people do virtual, so they're doing it on the phone, and maybe you can do some on the phone, but we're still in person. We're answering the phone. We're getting to people quickly. We're going on the appointments to build a relationship with them, and we're trying to listen to them. 
I mean, you guys have heard me talk about this over and over again. Maybe it's that rule of seven. I hear you keep saying it. I feel like I'm a broker record sometimes, but I'm like, that's what you do. People sell properties to people. It's a people business. So an open door or Zillow, or these guys say they want to put us out of business. I'm like, great. You need to put a person in front of that person that's going to have more of that relationship and be able to solve their problem better than we are. And if you do that, congratulations, you'll be able to put us out of business. But I don't see them doing that. And it's super, super important. And we've all talked about this for years, but especially in this market, while there's this gap before the sellers have figured out, like they're like a little bit uncertain, right? They don't quite know what we know yet. And we're trying to educate them, but how, much, how important is that? And this is what I tell the sales team too, like follow up, follow up, follow up. Because that seller that thinks you're lying to them, like, oh, the market hasn't changed. They're still living three months ago. They're going to figure that out at some point. Well, when are they going to figure it out, Andy? I don't know. Some point between now and when they figure it out. And you need to be the one on the phone call with them, following up with them, texting them, or voicemail, or whatever you're doing to touch base with them and say, hey, you know, uh, what'd you do with that house? How are things going? Are you still, you're still working? Do you still have those issues you had before? Because they do. And spoiler alert, they're going to sell to somebody. And it might as well be us, right? We paid for them to be in the CRM. But that's blocking and tackling. That's just blocking and tackling, guys. Okay. Have I given anybody any new information yet? <laughs> um, okay, I need a show of hands for you guys. Um, how many of you guys in the last, well, I mean, you guys, it doesn't have to be your primary residence, but any rental properties or anything, how many have an interest rate of 30-year fixed at 4%? Or how about lower than 4%? Oh, cool. Everybody's got to learn. How about lower than three and a half? Okay, still some hands. Lower than three? Still a lot of hands, right? So does that seem outrageous that you have a 30-year fixed mortgage for under 3%? Like, it's unthinkable, right? Like, those of us that, like, I remember getting a rental property at 6.125, and I was like, this is awesome, right? But so now we've just had this. Uh, we've just had this couple of years where the market's just gone insane. It was just crazy. But the interest to think you get a thirty-year fixed rate at under three percent, and it's not an anomaly. It's not an anomaly. There's a lot of those out there. So you can go to the next slide. So the greatest opportunity we haven't seen before, in my opinion. Wait, is that my slide? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Big bird. How many of you guys name your rental properties? You guys have like nicknames for them, like it's the street name or it's like the guy that lived there or whatever it is, right? So um, I bought this property. I'm gonna show you. You can click on it. that property. It's like this. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? It's a three-level property. It's like uh, I think 2,100 square feet, um, three bed, three and a half bath. It's got a two-car garage tucked in under there. It's a townhome, and I'm like, what the heck do we call this thing? Uh, we call it Big Bird. So. This is Big Bird, so I just gave you some of the stats. So it's, it's a new build. Um, this was a property that bought for $358,000 was the purchase price. The ARV at the time was 500 grand. Now, granted, it's probably not 500 grand. This was like a couple months ago, so it's probably not 500 grand anymore. That's fine. Um, bought it with $60,000 down. It needed about $25,000 in repairs, though. So took over a 30-year fixed mortgage that had, I think they were one year or two years deep on it, probably just one, one and a half years deep on it, at 2.875%, 30-year fixed. I mean, we all should be shocked right now. If you were given this presentation, like, in the future, like, 10 years ago, if you're like, in the future, this happened, the people were like, no way, you know, <laughs> Marty McFly, are you kidding me? But 2.875% fixed. I took us up to, and there's the numbers on the bottom for you guys that want those numbers, right? And yes, I realize that, that cash flow is not real cash flow because it's like just PITA minus payment. But anyway, it works. Um, and I like the property because you know, it's new build. It's not going to have a lot of issues with it, probably. Um, 
And I, what I really loved was the financing on it. That's the reason I bought that property, is financing. Now, I did get some equity because we market, and that's what we do, right? So that's how you can get properties like this. Um, and do I care if it's worth 450? 400? Do I care? I don't care. So the value of the house is like, that's cool. It's a good value in the house. But the value of that 30-year that fixed payment was the reason I was like, yep, I'm going to do that. So um, what do I feel like the greatest opportunity is that we've never seen before? When have we ever seen a period of two years when people can get rates at almost beneath 3% 30-year fixed ever, where a large, major, a large amount of sellers could have loans like that? Do you think those sellers are going to value those loans like you do? Do you think they're going to even know that there's an opportunity to purchase that property where they can leave that loan in place? Probably not. There are some people in this room right now who are like, can that happen? Can that happen? How do people do that? We're going to talk about that because I feel like this is the greatest opportunity. Um, so for what, first of all, for all of you guys in this room, I want you guys to understand that this is a possibility. When you're talking to sellers, if they have a loan, a 30-year fixed loan that's at these cheap rates, there's something you can do with them. We should all understand that. And sellers won't understand that. But we should all understand that. So once you understand that, now you can look for those opportunities. Now, I know there's a lot of people in this room that probably have never taken a property subject to the existing financing. So what I want to do is break it down. And maybe it's not for everybody. Maybe it's just for Corey, right? This is just for me and you. You have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. OK. So this is just for him. This is a review for everybody else, because you guys all know this. You've done this before. But um, this is for Corey. I did, I, as I was putting slides together last night, way too late, <laughs> I'm like thinking of Corey. I'm like, how can I break this down so he can understand this? And we all can go along our merry way. Um, and you can do this too. It doesn't have to be for long term. It can be short term. Like I was blessed and got that for 30 years. The next 29 years, I'm going to be servicing that loan. But you can do it for six months. You can do it for a year. Like when you're doing your flips, because now we're planning for a five-month hold time, six-month hold time. Well, how about a six-month hold time at 3% interest, right? Or 4% interest. Like That's a heck of a lot better than, than hard money that I'm lending. Um, so let's review some of the basics here as we're blocking and tackling. Mike's going to like this one. <laughs> Where are you at? He's not even here. We've already lost him. What's that? Oh, see, he's not even here. I, how did I know that at this point in the presentation, I was going to lose him? How did I know that? <laughs> All right, let's get after it. All right, so first things first, to get these deals, like I don't think you're going to get a lot of these deals from the MLS. Like, it's possible, but I think you're going to need to get these deals direct to seller, and that means you're going to be marketing. So you, you might be able to get this from wholesalers. I just noticed, I saw in my text um, before I came up here that we sent out a deal um, in my home buyers, my, my company. We sent out a deal that's got seven years left on 3.25% interest um, for a deal that we just barely sent out. So there, we're sending it out right now. We're getting stuff. So, but we get those deals from marketing. So again, back to the basics, blocking, tackling. Don't stop marketing. Don't stop marketing. It's the oxygen in your business. As soon as you stop marketing, your, your business is not going to be what it is today. Don't stop marketing, right? These type of deals... The last few years, the seller financing stuff hasn't been as prevalent because sellers have a lot of options. And when you've got 10 people throwing cash at them, why are they going to listen to your, why are they going to listen to the stuff that we're going to talk about in a second and show you how to do this? Like, why would they do that? And most of them probably wouldn't do that. But regardless, in all situations, these type of deals are high, high, high trust deals. And to understand, like, you can't just skip through these type of things. The stuff we're going to talk about doing this, like, you have, they're high trust deals, so you have to go and build that trust, okay? So this, I love this quote from Stephen Covey, like, seek first to understand and then to be understood. I feel like there's two great things about that when you're meeting with sellers, because you're trying to build that high trust, you need to get into rapport with them, as we say, right? 
um, listening to somebody is the best way to get in rapport. You guys have probably all experienced in this life when you sit down and talk to somebody, and you'll just ask them questions, you'll be interested in them, and they'll talk to you, and as you're listening to them, they don't know anything about you, but the person that's talking is connecting, and they're building that rapport with you, which is cool. So just the fact that you're sitting there listening, actively listening, and interested in them, they're going to be building rapport with you, just naturally. That's just the way it happens, right? They're going to feel so connected to you. But you're also going to change that, turn that conversation to ask them questions specifically about their real estate situation, right? So you're going to get a two for there. One, they're talking, so you're going to, they're going to build rapport with you, and they're going to be building trust while they're doing that. And two, you're going to be learning about their situation so that you can craft a solution that works for them, right? But you can't get there without, without listening to them. You can't get there. They're like, oh, yeah, I already know your situation. I, already, I know. I've seen this a thousand times before. Let me tell you how to help you. They don't care. They're not entrusted with you. They're not going to give it to you. They won't do it. You have to spend the time to listen to them so they feel heard and that you understand their specific situation, even though you've seen it a thousand times before. And then they're, they're willing to do something like this potentially for you. Okay? Next slide. This is the best analogy that I can give for it. Corey, Feropter? He told me this is called a Feropter. Um, he has been to the eye doctor, right? I go there, and it's crazy how like they're sitting there, and everything you say to them, they're making micro-adjustments. Is it better now or better now? Better now or better now? So that's the best analogy I can tell you guys when you're trying to do this, sitting down with the seller, listening to them, building rapport, asking them questions, and letting them adjust like that and tell you, well, tell me about this. Tell me about that. And they're telling you the whole story. Well, what are you going to do with the money? Where are you going? Are you buying another house? Where are you moving to? You know, all these type of questions. It's just your foropter. So as you're asking them questions and they're actively listening, give them that psychological air, and they're, they're, they're talking to you, they're like, man, this guy's really cool, and they're building this high trust with you. Meanwhile, you're getting this picture that's clear, right, because you're asking them all these questions. So maybe mentally when you're there, you're like, what did Andy say to do? What am I supposed to do? You're supposed to talk to them, listen, and adjust the frapter. Because at the end of that, you're going to get this. You're going to get a clear picture. And until you can restate back to that seller, Mr. Seller, it sounds to me like you're trying to and you restate all those things out. And once you can show them, restate back that clear picture, now do you think they're ready to listen to you? Yeah, right? And by the way, this doesn't just work with real estate. This works with like relationships. And you know, I'm not the best at this, right? But like in all things, how, if you will sit down in any type of problem or issue you're having in your life and you'll listen to somebody and, and ask them follow-up questions and actively listen and adjust that frapter so you can say, Arthur, it sounds to me like D -d -d -d, this is what I heard. And you say, yes, that's exactly right. He's going to feel so much better. That's what psychiatrists make, like, what, $200 an hour for or whatever. Come sit on the couch, right? And that's all they did was listen to him and spit back to him, like, this is what I heard. Now they feel heard and understood. Now you can craft a solution which is not that different than you've probably done hundreds of times before, but they're going to feel like it's a custom solution built for them. And you can't skip the step. Recognize that you have to build that high trust by doing that. But now once you do that, you've earned the right now to take the next step and try to negotiate a subject to deal. When you're doing that too, you need to talk to them. You need to talk to these sellers. I mean, I don't want to, like, this isn't condescending, but talk to them like they're a little kid. Because we, we, a confused mind says no. So if you're trying to explain something complicated to them, using terms like, hey, Mr. Seller, would you ever entertain using some seller financing, allowing some seller financing, and taking back a mortgage, and like letting me, you know, make your payment, they'd be like, uh, no, I would never do that, right? Well, we'll use an all-inclusive trust deed or we'll use a wraparound mortgage, right? And then we'll make sure that you're collateralized, but they're like, uh, no, I would never do that, right? So you really have to back off and say, well, Mr. Seller, what if we could find a way that you wouldn't have to make that payment anymore, but you can get all your money? Because that's what you want. Remember you said that, right? Like now they're like, yeah, okay. So just in layman's terms, like get all of the, you can go next slide. Uh, no industry jargon. We all have this stuff we kick around, like the term, even the term subject to, like, that, don't get that out of your head. Never go say anything like that to a seller. Don't say subject to, don't say seller financing, don't say all-inclusive trustee, don't say any of that stuff. 
Just explain it to them like you explain it to your kids. Like, what if we can find a way to do that? And we all need that, right? Don't we all need some of that basic explanation? And also speak in the terms of how it benefits them. Mr. Seller, what if we could find a way to make you a little more money on this? What, I mean, because, and they're like, what do you mean? Well, I have to borrow money from people and I pay them interest. You know, what if I could find a way to pay you the interest? And they're like, well, that makes sense, right? Well, I don't have any money. I know, but, and then you kind of explain it to them that they're loan, right? Keep their loan in place. So I love that terminology. What if we could find a way to? But again, speak in the terms of how it benefits them. Because too often, all of us walk around talking about how this is going to benefit me. This is going to benefit me. I need this. I need that. Like, get out of that. Listen to them. Show them how what you're doing benefits them. And they're going to say yes more often than not. Okay. This is a good phrase. I like this phrase. Um, to explain it to them, because you don't have to say subject to. You say, okay, like the guy that's for the $360,000 purchase. Like, okay, if I buy this from you for $360,000, and how much do you say you owed? Uh, 298. Cool. So at closing, what is that? How much are you going to get? He's like $62,000 or so. Okay, there's closing cost, $62,000. Well, if, I, if you go to, we go to closing and you get your $62,000, do you mind if the bank has to wait, wait a couple months to get, wait to get their money? And he's like, well, what do you mean? Well, like, you'll get everything you're getting at closing, but if they have to wait, just a little bit. Well, how does that work, right? You're just pitching to them this, this subject, too. You're pitching to them some seller financing without saying it that way, right? So that's how you go through this process and get, you've got to do the marketing, you've got to spend the time with the fropter, with the sellers to build the trust, you've got to know this is possible to, you've got to teach, talk to them in like layman's terms, whatever they need, whatever analogy you've got to use for them. Once they agree to all that, in principle, here's where Corey's going to get tripped up, right? How do I write this up? This seems complicated. Totally not complicated. Here's how you write it up. So you can take advantage of this great opportunity. Um, in an addendum, you can write something like this. It doesn't have to be this exact language, but this works. This just happens to be the language we give our sales reps in like our little example sheet. We're like, hey, <laughs> write it up like this. So you just agreed to a $360,000 purchase price, right? The purchase Not price. The only one, Andy. Look how many people it takes. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And it just takes two and one. Um, you know, seller agrees to leave the existing financing place for six months, 12 months. Life of the loan is what I'd put in there if you wanted to just service it out through the end of the thing, life alone. And then you can tell them, hey, I'm going to be responsible for all the mortgage payments, all that stuff. I'm going to be responsible for that. Okay, cool. And that, that really is it. You can just write that up. So all of the contract you're currently using, just you probably have a blank addendum somewhere. You can write that in. That's it. Not complicated, right? So that's all you need to know when you're at the house. Get that. And then, okay, well, now it's going to get to closing. This is going to be super complicated. Not really. This is that, there's that line in the, the settlement statement, existing loan, instead of paid off, right? Because the title company is going to go pull a payoff. They're going to know how much, as of this day, we're closing on July 22nd, 2022. Here's the payoff date, and here's exactly what the payoff is. But instead of them wiring the money to pay that off, it's just existing loan taken subject to, and they just put the amount right there. So in my case before, it was 298000 or whatever, right? We just didn't pay it off. But everything else looks the same. We just left it in place. Like, is that legal? Yeah, we did it. Um, I like to get a limited power of attorney from the people. And the only way that I've really even used this, and you can use one like that, or you can you know, make your own term of it up, but just specifically for the property, because if you get like, the only thing I've ever used it for, actually, and you could probably use it for a variety of things, but the only thing I've ever used it for is when they get those escrow refund checks, 
get an escrow refund check and it's like in their name, in the seller's name, I can cash that check. I can deposit it in my bank account. So I go to my bank with the power of attorney from the seller for that check for that property and they'll deposit it in my account. That's the only time I've ever used it for. But I figure it's a good thing to have as it pertains to that property. But you could also get one of these two, just an authorization release information. Because that loan, you're gonna be the one that's like, now you care about this loan. You're like servicing this loan. You're getting all the tax statements for this loan and everything. So you wanna have all that. So get an authorization release information. Um, what I did, you can go to the next one. Um, this is what I did with that seller that we've got the 29 years on that. He had an online login. How many of you guys like logging online to see your mortgage? Like most people do that. So we just got his login. So logged in, changed the service or the uh, notice address to like a PO box that I've got, and then we just changed the the direct deposit or the where. It, the ACH or whatever it is, my bookkeeper did, Lindsay did this, I don't know how she did it, but she just went in there and changed it, so now it comes out of my rental holding account. Like, that's it. So the payment comes directly out of there. Um, so I don't see the statement every month, but it's probably is mailed somewhere, like a P.O. box or something, but that's it, pretty easy. So now the payment's being made by me, and nobody cares, right? Uh, next one. Uh, this is a bonus you can get for me if you want to. I don't have everybody sign this, but if you're a little bit worried, this is kind of like the CYA letter. You're just letting them know that there's a due on sale clause, because everything has a due on sale clause, and you're just saying that you're not you're not assuming the loan, and the loan's gonna stay in their name until it's assumed or, or paid off or assumed. I mean, you take assumed out of there. But like, just they understand right there, right? If you want to, if you like, wanna cover your bases, you can do that. Um, there's your bonus. What's the next one? So all of this thing, like, that topic we started at the beginning, like, what's the greatest opportunity this, this, this coming market is providing us, this recession? Like, I feel like that's the opportunity. Because we've had this market that's been raging for like 18 months. And the prices have gone like this. Well, while the prices are going like that, you get that interest rate that's like, those interest rates were super low, but the price was going crazy. Now, those people sell those fixed rate loans and they're gonna come into distress. As we all know, people sell for their own reason. They're gonna come into distress over the next few years. And the prices are probably leveling off certainly now, probably dipping in some markets, right? Some more than others. And you're gonna be able to buy it at that lower price with those terms because, because of this market. Like, what an opportunity that is, right? Do you guys see that? In order to capitalize on opportunity, you need, first of all, you need to recognize it exists. And the second, I would say, do one. Like, if you've never done one before, just do one. Just make it a goal to do one. Like, because it's, it's really not that complicated. I feel like I've been saying that for, for years now. Like, it's not that complex. It really isn't. Just do one and prove it to yourself. Then you get the faith and you can do more of those. So this is it. I just want you guys to remember, all this we're experiencing, number one, change is totally normal. Totally normal. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Control what you can control. I didn't add gratitude to this one, but I do want you guys to remember that gratitude. Be grateful in all the things in our life because it's teaching us, building us, and it's like we always have an opportunity to like choose our attitude and how grateful we're going to be for stuff. And this market, we should be grateful for all these things, especially this market. Um, and then look for those subject to opportunities. Because like I showed you with Big Bird, they're there. And I think they'll continue to be there, right? And that's where long-term wealth is built. Low fixed payment you know, for long-term. I mean, prices, I'm going to stand right now and I'm going to say my crystal ball is broken, but... Ten years from now, prices will be higher than they are today. They'll be higher than they were three months ago when the market was raging. Ten years from now. Maybe it's seven, maybe it's five, but ten years from now, they will be. Why? Because the way the system is built, they will always be higher. As it denominated in the currency, as in dollars and stuff, they will always be higher. So something fixed payment at a higher asset price, denominated in that same payment that you're paying back, it always will be. Now, in the interim, we might have some drops, but like, it will be higher. I'm standing here today. You can come back 10 years from now. You can come punch me and say, Andy, the prices aren't higher, but I don't think that's going to be true. I think the price can be higher. You just need to survive that gap, capitalize on opportunities you're given now, 
and just be grateful. And I'm so grateful for this group and the relationships here and the fun we get to have. Like, this life is good, guys. Like, we have such a phenomenal life, don't we? Like, all of us. We have so much to be grateful for. So, cool. <laughs> I always have to get a picture of Bill in there. Where's Bill? Oh, there he is. Always got a picture of Bill in there. Cool. That's all I got for you guys. So, thank you. How awesome was that? I uh, enjoyed listening to it a second time. And um, Andy is, ah, I just love watching and listening to his presentations. I always have a notebook full of paper, or, or full of notes, and I'm sure you do too. Um, Andy's going to be one of the speakers at Flip Hacking Live this year. And he's going to be, um, I, I, I asked him to give a very specific presentation, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So we'll be talking about that more coming up. We also have our accelerator coming up leading up to Flip Hacking Live. If you're ready to go to Flip Hacking Live, just go to fliphackinglive.com and get your tickets. You have to be there. Like, stop procrastinating. The price goes up as we get closer. So I don't want you to pay more money even though you know you're going to go. If you know you're going to go, go to flipbackinglive.com right now, get your ticket. Like stop waiting and paying more. People pay $1000 for this ticket right before the event and I always get 20 or 30 people at the very last minute are paying $1000. Don't do that. Pay the price right now, okay? Pay the price that it is today and go to flippackinglive.com and get your ticket. Um, we also have an accelerator coming up. We got a seven-figure accelerator that we've done the past few years. It's going to be a lot of fun. We got a couple half-day sessions planned where I'm going to bring some of the speakers on from Flippacking Live, and we're going to train to some of the topics to get us ready and get us prepared. So the link to that is in the description of this podcast. I hope to see you there. It'll also be in this email. I will uh, see you there, and I'll see you on the next show. Bye.